0: Okay, let's our Bibles to Psalm one twenty seven and one twenty eight. Of course, the ICCC is a place where Christians can encourage one another from all over the country. I mean, all over the world, Christians that are way off in Africa, South America, Asia. Uh, They can get together and have encouragement that they're not all by themselves wherever they are. And they're all Bible believers in the ICCC. Well, today, if you notice from the bulletin, the title of my message this morning is Whatever Happened to Mother? Now, in the month of May, there are two holidays. There are Memorial Day and... Mother's Day. And so I happen to always do the last Sunday of the month. So I never come at the time of Mother's Day. But this is as close as I get here on the 28th. And I've had a lot to speak over the years about uh, patriotism and fighting for our country and all those things. I've talked about those quite a few times. But I haven't talked too much about mothers in particular. And so I thought we'd uh, try to have a Mother's Day sermon this morning. Whatever happened to mother? Okay, so mothers are kind of a uh, uh, vanishing breed, especially the full-time mother is a vanishing breed. And the thing is, is that today what's glorified is the career woman. What's glorified is uh, uh, those types of things. And of course, it's glorified not having children at all, and it's getting to be a population shortage in the world today, as I mentioned uh, a couple times ago. So let's go to Psalm 127 in verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so the Lord has to build the house, our house has to be built on the Lord, our country has to be built on the Lord, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And then verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, so he giveth us sleep. And you know, a big word in the Bible is moderation, moderation. And we should be moderate in our sleeping, not sleep too much, and not sleep not enough. And uh, Tim, in Sunday school this morning, quoted about Calvin, where he said that he didn't sleep very good, and he kind of made that a practice to uh, really work himself to death, I think. And uh, so anyway, uh, but the Lord has given us sleep, and it's vain to rise up early to sit at late. Sit up late, moderation. But then we come to our subject of the morning is about mothers and children, families, and fathers in with that as well. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so it's a good thing here to have children, children are a good thing. Today, children are looked upon as an inconvenience, something that gets in the way. But it's a good thing here in Scripture. The fruit of the womb is his reward. That's a reward from the Lord if we have children. And then it says, verse 4, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And so, uh, you know, it talks about the picture here is a mighty man, who's an archer. And you know, down through history, they had a lot of archers that were very good. And in England, they they were known for their longbowmen. And the longbowmen, they would train from childhood to be longbowmen. And they had a big longbow, and it took all they could do to stretch it back, and they could send those arrows quite a ways. And they were very powerful. And so it has the picture of somebody like that, that's trained in being an archer, that's powerful. And when he sends his arrows on their way, they are effective. Effective. And that's how it is children of the youth, is that we send our children on the way, and they're effective for us. And I think about that with my son. My son is helping me fix up our old barracuda. And he was over a week or two ago, and he was there uh, cutting out the old floorboards there and putting in new pieces, welding them in. And you know, I couldn't do that, but he can do that. He's like an arrow, an effective arrow, able to do something. And so praise the Lord for that arrow in the hand of a mighty man that I have through children of the youth. Talks about children of the youth. You know, I think about that. I could never raise children today at my age. I wouldn't be up to it at all. But when you're young, you have the children, and that's how it's in God's plan. Children of the youth. And you know, as we talk about the family, we talk about mothers. You know, the devil hates everything that God sets up. And all of the order that God sets up, the devil hates. And he works against it, him and his minions. And so they hate the family, they hate mothers, they hate all those things that God has set up. But God has set these things up for our good and for the good of society. And then verse 5, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Of course, you know what a quiver is. A quiver is the little case on the back of Robin Hood, where he has his arrows in there, and he carries his his ammunition with him. And how many is a quiver full? That's a good question. It can be quite a few. (laughs) Here, Teresa says five. Well, you know, you know. I think I've, I've said before that I like to look at all the old movies with the guys with the quivers and try to see how many arrows they got in those quivers. And you know, if you got just one or two arrows, you're pretty limited in what you can do. But if you carry too many of them, that's kind of hard to carry around. And something in the middle there would be good. And may, when I look at the movies, usually it's, it's about four or five that they have in the, in the quiver or six, something like that. And uh, anyway, of course, the movies might not be totally accurate. But anyway, the uh, thing is, blessed is the man that has his quiver full. It's good to have a few children, not just one or two. A quiver full. And it's just like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. You know, if you've got a quiver full, you've got more chance to have some good children. You might have a bad egg in there or two. But you have more chance to have a couple good ones. And so it's good to have a quiver full. And they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Basically, as you go through here, it's the more the better. The more the merrier. And uh, I was reading in my history reading years ago, uh, The History of the Renaissance by Will Durant. And he was talking about the time of the Renaissance, about children and the people there in the Renaissance. Of course, the Renaissance was a rebirth of learning and of art and things. And he says, in that uh, civilization there, all that was lacking in their place, in these places were children. For family limitation rises as the means for supporting children, mount. The church and the scriptures bade men to increase and multiply, but comfort counseled infertility. Even in the countryside where children were economic assets, families of six children were rare. In the city where children were liabilities, Families were small. The richer, the smaller. And, and many homes had no children at all. I have to read my writing here. I have a little bit of trouble. But anyway, in the Renaissance, they had all this rebirth of learning, and people were getting richer. And, they found, and uh, this historian noticed that the richer they got, the fewer children they had. And that's just the opposite to what people usually say. They usually say, oh, you know, you can't have a lot of children if you don't have a really good income because you can't take care of them. And we have to have two incomes to take care of them and, and all this. But the problem is, the more the income, the less the children. And that's what we see in our world around us today. That's what we see in Japan and Korea, especially where the birth rate has gone down, and they're dying away. So let's go on here. Chapter 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. First thing is to fear the Lord. Verse 2. Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. And so it's, it has capitalism here. We should eat what we work on. It's not from each according to his ability to each according to his need, with the theory of communism. No, it's here, we'll eat the fruit of our hands. And then ends at verse 3, getting back to the family and the mother. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. Fruitful. And you know, we have that command way back in the Garden of Eden to be fruitful and multiply. Is that still in force today? Yes, it is. Be fruitful and multiply. The world is not overpopulated. It is not. And as I've said, I've traveled all over the world, in Africa, South America, Asia, all across the United States, and there's huge amounts of open space, huge amounts of arable land that could be farmed more. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not overpopulated. And it's a fruitful vine. And thy children like olive plants round about thy table, and that's a good good situation there, where you have olive plants. Now I will say, some people cannot have children, and I mean that's that's just how things are. But it's a blessing when we do have children. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to have olive plants around the table. And then it says, verse four. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. And people don't want that blessing today. They don't want it. And then you go down to verse 6. You shall see your children's children and peace upon Israel. Well, uh, what are children good for today in America? They're good for the trash can, basically. And that's why we have the birth center. You know, the birth center ministries to try to help them, these women, to raise their children. When I was in high school, I had a hobby raising tropical fish in aquariums. I had a bunch of aquariums. And, you know, it was a funny thing with these tropical fish, especially the live bearers. They would have have their children come out, and they immediately would turn around and eat them. And, you know, it seems terrible, you know, all, you have the children and you eat them up. And so when, when you were ready to have the, the baby fish, you needed to put a lot of plants in there because the babies, when they come out, they're ready to escape from their mothers. So they don't get eaten up. And that's kind of how it is with our world today. Is The babies are had, and of course now they want to even kill them after they're already born for a month after they're born and things like that it's terrible of course today we're more interested in saving whales than we are in saving children and uh, I mean I'm for nature conservation but it's a lot more important to conserve people and of course children are regarded as a burden and you know uh, through history uh, especially here in America, the Catholics have been known as the ones that had big, children, uh, big families. And they were encouraged to have big families. And of course, they had that in their credit. And it's worked out to their advantage that they've got there are a lot more Catholics around today. And it's going with the Muslims today the same way. The Muslims have big families and they're moving to Europe and taking over Europe. And, you know, the Bible and the Christians ought to have big families and take over the world as well, just by biological means. And so uh, children are a great blessing. <clears throat> well, we read in the bulletin uh, this morning, or well, we had our our uh, call to worship this morning uh, from 1 Timothy 5.14. We won't uh, turn there, it's right in your bulletin. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. What does Paul say to teach the young women to do? Well, to have children and to guide the house. To guide the house. See, the thing today is that a woman who is a housewife who stays at home, is regarded as a dinosaur today. And the thing is, that's what we have in Scripture. And of course, it's set up as the old-fashioned way, the old traditional way, but we're way past that today. But you know, it's not only the traditional way, it's the traditional Christian way. And that's our way with so many things that they're getting rid of, from the past, it's the traditional Christian way we have. The traditional Christian hymns we have. The cr- traditional Christian funerals we had, and traditional Christian households and the nuclear family. Well, today women are looked. Up, I mean, children are looked upon as a great inconvenience. And the children, if they do have children, they're just a sideline. Well, a few years ago, I uh, came across this Newsweek magazine, and we're going to quote a few things this morning. But, uh, you know, I came across this Newsweek magazine that has on the cover uh, the myth of quality time. The myth of quality time. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I can... A lot of women say, I can be a career woman, but I can still take good care of my household. Well, it's really impossible to do both well. You can part way take care of your household, partway be a career woman or whatever, but you can't do them both. It's just impossible. But they they give us a reason or a way to do that. They say, well, I'm going to give my kids quality time. And I'm going to give them an hour of quality time every day instead of being there the whole day. Well, what does it, it say in this article? It says on the, the subheading here, it says, Kids don't do meetings. You can't raise them in short scheduled bursts. They need lots of attention. And This is the non christian saying this. They need lots of attention, and experts warn, warn that working parents may be shortchanging them. And I would go so far as to say they are short shortchanging them, not maybe short shortchanging them. Well, we have here: I will the younger women marry, bear bear children, guide the house. Let's go back to Proverbs. Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Look at a few verses in Proverbs here. Proverbs is the practical book of how to live. The practical book of how to live for all time. And Proverbs tells us what to do. So here we have Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The problem is, is discipline. Discipline. Children have to have discipline. They have to have rules. They have to be told no sometimes. And one mother said when I was with her, she said, I guess I haven't said no enough times. Too many yeses. And, you know, you have to say no to them. You have to discipline them. And it's because, it gives us the reason right here in 2215, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. They're born in sin. They come out of the womb speaking lies, the Bible tells us. And so that foolishness needs to be gotten rid of out of them. And, you know, I've seen children that are not disciplined, and they're just plain foolish. And they'll be in the living room and throwing balls around, doing whatever they feel like doing. And then they'll destroy things, and then the mother will say, oh, they didn't mean to do that. They didn't mean to do it. They haven't been taught not to do it. And they haven't been taught that they shouldn't do those things. And they haven't been disciplined. And you know, it's the rod here. Of course, the big tool in Proverbs is the rod. And it's almost illegal today to use the rod. But anyway, it's uh, the big tool here in Proverbs. The rod will drive foolishness far from him. And who's going to use the rod? The mother and the father? And if the mother is never there or not there much, the discipline won't get done. Do you think the daycare is going to discipline the children? No, it's not going to discipline them. Do you think that school is going to discipline them? They might discipline them a little bit, but not much. And so you just look at society around us. Why is the society in such a state it is? Why is crime growing? Well, this is a big reason right there. I was just talking to a, the waitress at the restaurant yesterday and she drives into Philadelphia for school and she says she's noticed how the crime is getting worse in Philadelphia. Well, that's how it is, it is because there's no discipline, no discipline in the homes. Nobody's there to do discipline. And then let's go back a couple chapters to 19 and verse 18, 1918, 1918. One verse here, 19.18 of Proverbs, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Well, when is it when there's still hope? There's still hope to bring up a child in the right way when he's young. If you try raising a child when he's already a teenager, try to to change things then, it doesn't work. They have to be disciplined and brought up right when they're young, first five, six years especially, while there is hope. And why do the parents often not discipline? Because can't you see the child already sees that he's going to get disciplined, so he starts crying ahead of time. And he starts crying ahead of time, and therefore, oh, he doesn't need to be disciplined anymore. Well, that's his way of circumventing it. And don't spare for his crying. And then let's go back to chapter 29. Chapter 29 of Proverbs, working our way back. 29 and verse 15. It says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Well, if the mother's not there, the child's going to be left to himself. And the more he's left to himself, the more shame there comes, the more problems come. And so... We need to be consistent in our discipline with children. Of course, most of you don't have little children here, or none of you, I don't know. But anyway, but we have friends, we have uh, grandchildren, or whatever. And these are principles of God's word for help for mothers, for children. And of course, as I said before, the excuse is that don't you know today that both need to work. Well, both need to work if you want certain things. It depends on what kind of lifestyle you want. That's what it is. And of course, as we said before, the richer you are, the fewer children that people want. Well anyway, we have uh, I ran across my readings also a few years ago, a book called "The Bridge at Andau." And the Bridge at Andau an, is by James Missioner, and it's the account of the Hungarian Revolution where the people in Hungary rose up against the communist overlords. And they threw the Molotov cocktails on the tanks and all of that. And they were able to go a little ways, but they had no support from outside, from the U.S. or anybody else. And it finally fizzled with the Soviets coming in. But you know, in this book, it talks about, under the communist system, children are encouraged to turn in their parents for anti-Soviet or anti-communist behavior. And they're encouraged to do that in school and whatever. And so the question is, it says here, go on, it says, uh, this guy's talking to his son, and he says, do you know what death is? If you ever tell anyone about tonight, your father will die. And the guy probably had an anti-communist meeting or something. And he's telling the children, if, if, if you tell people about this, I'm going to die because the communists are going to come in. But then going on, when he's told the children this, it says, but the moment always, this is people that aren't even Christians talking, but it says, but the moment always comes when such a father had to discipline such a son. He had to discipline the son, but the son has the power of life and death over the father by turning him in. Then the father would take down the strap with the certain knowledge that if the boy wanted revenge on his family he could take it. Nevertheless the father had to trust his earlier judgment. I remember when I had to discipline my son. When I was through he stood looking at me and he knew that I was afraid. He, he, all, he knew that since I was afraid, I would never have whipped him if he had not needed it. But more than my own life, I wanted to see him grow up to be a good man. And that was what was necessary, was to have the discipline on the son, even though he was taking a big chance by disciplining the son in that environment. And he saw how important the discipline is. And it is very important. Well, Then let's go over to chapter 30 of Proverbs in verse 11. 30, 11. There is a generation that, co- that curses their father and does not bless their mother. Is that the generation today? That's exactly it. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. You know, humility is taught to children by discipline. That teaches humility. And somebody can never go to heaven without humility. But if they're never disciplined, they're lifted up with pride. How come we have all these... Shootings out on the highway with road rage. Because people are all lifted up. They think they need to go, they need to have their way. And you get two of them together, and you end up with a big fight and in a shooting or whatever. There is a generation, verse 14, whose teeth are as swords, their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among men. The horse leech has two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four say not it is enough. The grave and the barren womb and the earth that is not filled with water and the fire that saith not it is enough. The barren womb never says it's enough. At least it it shouldn't say that it's enough even though God might give it, but they want to have children. It's good they want to have children. And then verse 17, The eye that mocketh at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. Well, when children are not disciplined, what do they do? They curse their parents. They just tell them to get lost. They talk back. They do whatever they feel like doing. And that's what we've got in our society today. Are you doing your children a favor by not disciplining them? You know, people think they're doing them a favor, but it's not a favor at all. You know, the Wright brothers were told that, boy, how did the Wright brothers do all those things? They came from not a great background. But, and they said they didn't have any great advantages. But the Wright brothers said I, we did have advantages, the advantage of a good family, where that, that we were brought up right. And Then we go on to chapter 31. Here we have the famous virtuous woman, virtuous woman, and that's virtuous mother as well. Chapter 31 and verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her far, price is far above rubies? and rubies are more valuable really than diamonds. Then you go down to verse 15. She rises also while it is this talks about what she does with her children or her household is what I'm pointing out. Verse 15. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Down to verse 19. She lays her hands to the distaff the spindle in her hands hold the distaff she does her sewing and different work in the house. Of course, here it has her buying fields and doing some business, but it's all working out of the home with her home as the basis and then verse twenty one she is not afraid of the snow for her household for all her household are clothed with scarlet verse twenty seven She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. You know, mothers and fathers can have an awful lot of influence on children for good and for bad. And children sometimes could rise above the bad influence. But children that have good influence have an advantage in life. And they can rise up and call their mother blessed. Well, I've been reading recently, I think I may have mentioned it already, Andrew Jackson's biography. And it says about him and his mother. Of course, he was orphaned early on, but he was with his mother for a while. And it says, he had seen the centrality of strength and self-confidence. Both elements so essential to his character and his career of Andrew Jackson can be traced to his mother's influence, which was brief but lasting. In his mind, she remained vivid, and her example did too. The example of strength amid adversity, and a persevering no matter what. She was a single mother. The father had died really early on. And, of course, we all know Andrew Jackson very well. He's in your wallet. In all of our wallets, the $20 bills have Andrew Jackson. Well, anyway, it, it is also likely that her dreams remained with him chiefly her ambitious hope that he would become a clergyman. His mother actually wanted him to be a preacher. Thus, exercising authority and earning respect all in the service of a larger cause. In the end, Jackson chose to serve God and country not in a church, but on battlefields and at the highest levels. But he did choose, as his mother had wished, to serve. And she took them to church all the time, to the Presbyterian church. And she had a great influence on them. And good mothers can have great influence on children. Her children arise up and call her blessed. They, she has made, given them advantages for life, and has done much for them. Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. And of course, the virtuous woman does not neglect her family. Her children arise up and call her blessed. And then one final little poem, you know, a lot of preachers, they like to end their service ser- sermon always with a poem. Or many times, I almost never do that, but I will end this one with one poem, a little short one. And it talks about the mother. It says, you may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels and coffers of gold. Of course, caskets here is talking about containers, not uh, funeral caskets. Caskets of jewels and coffers of gold. Richer than you... Uh, richer than I, you never can be. I had a mother who read to me. Let's bow in prayer. O oh Lord, we just pray that thou bless these thoughts to our hearts. And O oh Lord, we pray that we might see the great importance of fathers and mothers, and of the family, and the institutions that thou hast set up. In Jesus' name, Amen.